Welcome into another edition of Home Run Throwback. I am Jimmy Morris, joined as always by John Glennon. John, how are you tonight? I'm well, Jimmy. How are you? Doing good, doing good. We'll talk about the Titans' uh, 27-24 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers today. The last-minute magic kind of finally ran out on the Titans. You, I think you had to have a feeling that, that was going to happen at some point. You can't live like that forever in the NFL, but the Titans had done a lot of it through the first month-plus of the season. So we'll get into all that before we do. Remind you, this is a Broadway Sports Media podcast. BroadwaySportsMedia.com is the website. Check it out. A lot of cool stuff going on over there. Uh, John's already got his 10 takeaways from this game up, posted over there. Sign up for a membership. You get a trial. Check it out. I promise you won't be disappointed. Um, and then you'll get all of our coverage You know, as we continue to break down this game and then looking forward to the Cincinnati Bengals game next week. So BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Check that out. All right, so like I said, Titans lose 27-24 to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, you know, you had a feeling um, at the end of the game that it was going to be another one of those games where the Titans, you know, they have some bad things early in the game, but they get the ball back with a chance to win late in the game, and, you know, I mean, I don't know. I had faith that they were going to at least be able to get a field goal, uh, maybe even go to, you know, there was at least one point in that drive where you felt like, well, they're just going to go ahead and win this thing in regulation, which seemed crazy because, you know, they were down 20 at one point in the second half, but, um, you know, we, we know what happened. Goskowski missed the field goal. And I guess we could kind of start with him. Um, it has been a crazy, you said a, a roller coaster in your, in your uh, article for tonight, um, season for him. And, and I think that's a good description of it because there have been some really high highs. I mean, you know, he had six field goals in a game. He's special teams player of the month. Um, you know, he's got all that stuff going on for him. But he's also missed a lot of kicks. And he's missed more kicks than anybody else in the NFL. He's missed a couple of extra points. What do you think the conversation is surrounding him right now in that building? Well, I, I think the fact that, you know, he has such a track record, uh, you know, throughout his career of, of being a good uh, clutch kicker, uh, you know, that the fact that he still has the leg uh, and, and the fact that he has produced this year, as you said, you know, the 50-yard the field goals, um, you know, the six in, in one game, the three game winners. So he does still have a lot of check marks in his uh, in his favor, uh, I think. Um, and, you know, you, you go back to last year and you remember, okay, that the Titans did certainly part ways with uh, with Ryan Suckup, um, you know, partway through the season, who was, who was a veteran with a very good track record. But I think, if I'm recalling correctly, I think Suckup was, what, about one for six? Yeah, uh, or so at that point, and, and clearly was not over an injury uh, either. So I think it's a little bit of a different situation. I still think, as, as I say, that the pluses uh, in Goskowski's background are still going to give him a little bit of a longer leash. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't see the Titans uh, jumping into to make any kind of move yet. Um, but it, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, weird season. He went 0 for three to start. He went nine for nine after that, which included three game winners, and now one of his last four. Um, so who knows? Uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing. Uh, if you're a Titans fan, every time he walks out there, you you just uh, you really wonder because he might hit a 55 yarder, or he might uh, you know push an extra point wide. Yeah, and I think it's different with him and suck up. Uh, the, the track record is longer uh, for Goskowski. I mean, suck up has, has had a good career, and he's actually been good this year for the Buccaneers. But, um, you know, it, there were times last year it looked like Suckup just didn't have the leg anymore, and I think it was just because right. he wasn't over the injury. It seemed like they kind of rushed him back at the beginning of the season and then maybe did it again 
um, just because of how how poorly things were going in the kicking game, you know, at that point in the season. So Goskowski, he's got plenty of leg. I mean, that has not been the problem. It's not like he can't get kicks there. Um, you know, the, the kick today just, you know, faded on him a little bit, I guess. Um, it, it's not like it was short. So, yeah, it's just a, it's a weird deal. And, I mean, listen, I've never been a kicker on, on any level, especially not in the NFL. I can't imagine the, the type of mental things that go on. And, I mean, that was the thing that was the most impressive to me when he hit the game winner in Denver. You know, even though it wasn't a very long field goal, after you've had such a rough night, how you go out there and put all that behind you, and, you know, with the game on the line, you, you have the chance to redeem yourself. Um, you know, I mean, he's obviously – he's done it. He's been there. Um, so, yeah, you do give him – I mean, you, you would imagine he has a pretty pretty long leash, but they just – they need to get some consistency there. Now, listen, the the game – I mean, obviously he had a chance to send the game to – or at least tie the game with, with the chance to send it to overtime. Um, so with everything else that went on, if he makes that kick, it, it's a completely different conversation. But you, you by no means can pin the loss on him. Uh, from this game. I mean, there there are still plenty of things that other things that need to be cleaned up. And that conversation starts with the defense and in, in third down defense in particular. I mean, it is amazing how bad they are on third down. Like, it's almost, uh, you know, comical at this point, I guess. Um, because, you know, I, I mentioned on Twitter today and in I talked to Mike Keith on you know, on this podcast midweek, and he made the point, look, if they were just average, if they were just an average third-down defense, the numbers would be completely different. And, and he's 100% right, but then you go out today, they give up 13 of 18 on third downs, um, which as bad as their percentage was for the year, that made it worse, which is kind of hard to believe. And we're not talking about a, a lot of short third downs. I mean, sure, there were there were a few of those, but you're talking about, as you mentioned in the article, 3rd and 11, 3rd and 14, 3rd and 12. I mean, they're giving up big plays on 3rd down. What's the – I mean, how do, how do you fix that? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I certainly think that the return of a Dory Jackson can't hurt right. uh, in that kind of a situation. And if, if I'm guessing, you know, I, I would guess that a Dory is back for the next game. Uh, you know, he's got that three-week window that started uh, this past week in, in terms of practicing, and they can activate him to the 53 anytime they want. Uh, and certainly if you bring a guy back, you know, with the athleticism and the speed, um, you know, I think that's really going to help. I, I think, you know, his absence has probably increased his value uh, a good bit. It's sort of like, you know, what everybody's been saying about Dak Prescott in Dallas, you know, the the, his absence this year that the Cowboys have, have been so absolutely wretched. You know, he's only, uh, his, his value has only gone up uh, because of that. Same kind of thing with Adore. I think the more he is out and the more the, the secondary struggles, uh, you know, the more valuable he, he looks, especially, you know, the, the Titans lost Christian Fulton uh, kind of again today with a knee injury. And that's their other, you know, fast athletic corner, even though he's a, he's a rookie. Um, so there's some real struggles in the secondary, and it would help, you know, this secondary if there was occasionally uh, some some more pressure or heaven help us a, a sack uh, of an opposing quarterback. Um, but that is not something we're seeing very often. You know, Ben Roethlisberger was not sacked today, and I believe the Titans' grand total, I think, right this year, right right now, is uh, seven sacks through six games which is pretty shaky, uh, you know, and, and that is contributing quite a bit to this third down problem as well. You know, and, and you have to figure the Titans, when they signed Jadevian Clowney, when they signed Vic Beasley, thought they were going to be moving in the right direction. 
in terms of sacks, and and we're just not seeing that so far. Yeah, it's been it's been a problem for this team, and we were talking before we got started recording the podcast that I mean, it feels like this is that getting pressure on a quarterback has been a problem. Like, I mean, it feels like going back to two thousand eight. I don't know if that's actually true. But that's the last time you remember them having a consistent pass rush. And I mean, I just remember, you know, how good Michael Griffin was when they had a pass rush and then how he kind of got exposed once that pass rush wasn't there anymore. And you're seeing a similar type of deal. And, yeah, obviously getting a Dory back is not going to hurt this defense. It's going to help on, on in a lot of ways. But he's not going to help them pressure the quarterback. He's not going to make the Vic Beasley signing worth it. Um, you know, and, and, and again, Jadavian Clowney does other things besides get just get sacks. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much of that we're seeing at this point, but it's remarkable. And, and I think uh, Kaharski wrote an article this week about, you know, the biggest acquisitions that the Titans made this offseason when you look at Vic Beasley, Jadavion Clowney, and then your first two draft picks, Isaiah Wilson and Christian Fulton, and you've gotten, mm-hmm. you know, very minimal contribution from that group. Um, Fulton has an interception. He's he's been I, I guess okay when he's been on the field, but like you said, he's he's had a series of of different injuries that that have just had his playing time limited. And you know to be five and one when you have an offseason like that is it, it, pretty remarkable in and of itself. But at, at some point, like the defense is going to have to be better. And we saw them be better in stretches today. I mean, they they got a couple stops. They held them to field goals a couple of times. Um, you know, so you, you saw some good things, especially there in the second half. But, you, you know, if we, if we want, as Titans fans, um, you know, as we watch this team, we want them to be mentioned among the, you know, Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. With the defense playing like it is right now, you just you can't do it. And we've talked about it. I mean, every time, every week when we've come on here and we've talked about the game that's just finished, it's the conversation, you know, for the most part, the exception of a couple games has been, it's great, they won, but if this defense doesn't improve, it's going to be a problem eventually. That's you know pretty much what we saw today, and I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's just getting the Dory back or if it's just getting you know a play caller getting settled in with, with Dean Pease being gone, all that stuff. I mean, I don't know what it is, but they're definitely going to have to see some improvement if they want to be one of those you know four or two teams that are in the playoffs at the end. Yeah, I, I think you made a, a very good point, Jimmy, there about the, the play caller also. Uh, and, of course, this is the first year for Shane Bowen replacing Dean Pease. And, you know, if, if you could uh, draw up a, a rough offseason for a, for a first-year play caller, whether it's on offense or defense, I think this would be it, you know, due to the, the whole COVID circumstances. They had no in-person OTAs, you know, so Shane Bowen doesn't even get much uh, – you know, on the field experience there. He has no preseason, um, which is an ideal situation for a first-year play caller to kind of get his feet wet uh, doing that sort of thing and, and uh, you know, get a little bit more comfortable uh, in, in that sort of situation. Then, of course, Shane Bowen was also knocked uh, out uh, when, when he was a uh, COVID-19 uh, victim himself, and he, and he was away from the team uh, for a while. So, as I say, you know, this is about as difficult a, a, an off season for a first-year play caller uh, as, as you could draw up. And I, I think that will change in, in time. I think he will get more comfortable. He said this week, you know, when, when asked about these kind of questions from the Nashville media, uh, he said, you know, just like the players, you know, the, the more reps that they get, the better they are. 
the more more reps that the Shane Bowen gets, um, you know, I, I think the better he'll get as well. Um, but but right now, I, it's probably not a comfortable uh, position for Shane Bowen because you're you're following up kind of a legend in DPS and and uh, you know uh, things aren't going too well right now. Yeah, it's it's never fun to to follow a guy like that, like you said, and then to to start off like he has. Um, it, it's just been a tough deal. And, and you know, the, the whole defensive staff, I mean, they brought in Jim Hazlitt, um, who obviously has a lot of experience in, in the NFL. But even Mike Vrabel, you know, he wasn't a coordinator for very long before he became the head coach. Um, so, I mean, I, I think all of that is kind of working together. And listen, we saw last year, um, you know, there were, there, there were a lot of questions about Arthur Smith's uh, – ability to call an offense early in the season. Now, you know, the switch from, you know, Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill obviously made a big difference there, and, and, you know, you saw that that was a large part of the problem. But I think it was just getting in a rhythm, getting used to play calling and all that kind of stuff. So you hope that you can see something similar to that. I mean, I don't think you're going to have that drastic of a turnaround what you saw there, but you make a good point that it's just he's he's learning on the fly, and he didn't have preseason games where you know you could have some of these miscues, and you know if it happens in the third quarter, nobody's paying attention anyway, so it doesn't matter. Right. You know he's 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 only gotten to do it when the bullets are live, so um, you know hopefully hopefully things will settle in there. But either way, they're going to have to get some type of pass rush production at some point. I mean, you can you can have your question about the play calling and all that type of stuff, but if, you know, Landry, Beasley, Javion Clowney, if they're not getting pressure, that that's going to make it hard on any defensive coordinator to to call plays to make things happen. And listen, they got three turnovers today, which is pretty amazing. Um, you know, they, they were able to intercept Roethlisberger three times, uh, which is which is pretty amazing, not getting pressure. So I mean, there's still some good things going on there, but they're going to have to find some consistency. And like we said, I mean, it starts to me with the, the third down thing. If they can get off the field on third down, that's going to fix a lot of you know what has been ailing them to this point. Um, yeah. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I, yeah, I was just going to mention, and, and this sort of goes hand in hand uh, to, to a degree with the third down defense is the, is the red zone yeah. uh, defense as well. Uh, they came in to today last in the league in, in red zone D, uh, you know, and, and uh, Steelers scored three red zone TDs in the first three trips inside the 20, you know, which, which didn't help matters either. The Titans stiffened a little bit there the last two times and, and held to a field goal and then, then created a turnover. But, uh, but same sort of thing. And, and you know, Kevin Byard, uh, you know, kind of speaks for the, the defense. Uh, you know the uh, the the word that that kept coming to uh, uh, to the forefront when when he was talking after the game was kind of pride. You know, it's it's a matter of pride in both the third down D and the red zone D. You know, at some point, you know, you can you can talk about all these X's and O's and so forth too. But boy, there has to be, you know, uh, the, the embarrassment has to come into play a little bit here too. You know, you don't want to be embarrassed every time a team is taking up a long third down or, or scoring every time inside the 22. So I, I think, uh, you know, he's, he's feeling a little, 
Uh, a little bit ashamed on behalf of his defense right now, knowing that uh, this thing needs to uh, get turned around. Yeah, and part of it, like you said, just being a competitor. And I don't know if it's more focused. I mean, you know, we tend to oversimplify things, I think, sometimes when we talk about them. But, yeah, I, I mean, the, the, it just, it's going to be on everybody on that defense to step up and, and do the things they're supposed to do. Because you've obviously done well when you get a team into third and long, right? I mean, you've played two good downs. Um, so it's not an overall lapse. It's just for whatever reason that they're not able to get off the field in those situations. So, again, hopefully hopefully they'll be able to kind of get back to the middle of the pack, and, and that will really help them. And like you said, red zone defense as well. Um, they were really good there last year, and it just it hadn't really it hadn't played out that way this year. Um, all right, so we've gotten this far into the podcast, and we haven't really talked about the offense at all, um, which was really good again today. I mean, they, they struggled in the beginning. Um, it, was, it was just a slow start all the way around. But, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill had a really good game again. I mean, the, the uh, intentional grounding call was rough. Um, that was, you know, kind of what stalled that drive, like we said, was looking like they were going to just go on and, and get a touchdown in the game. Um, but he was good again today, you know, 18 of 30, 220 yards, two touchdowns. Um, A.J. Brown is just, I mean, unbelievable. Like, he's the guy that we've been waiting for all these years. Um, with the Titans, you know, all these guys we've had come through here, and we've talked about this before, but all the guys we've had come through here um, that we wanted to be number one receivers that, you know, were either drafted high or were high fri- high price free agents um, that just didn't pan out for whatever reason. A.J. Brown has been the exact opposite of those guys, and he's the guy that, you know, they can look to when they need a big play. Um, you know, he, he takes that, that little slant that he gets from from uh, Tannehill, takes seven, three yards, goes to the house. And that was really what kind of sparked the comeback there. So that's been fun to watch, and, and just having the weapons that they have. Um, a, again, you know, his his emergence has taken the sting of Corey Davis not being, you know, what they hoped he would be with, with the fifth overall pick. I mean, that that's kind of lessened that sting a little bit. So, you know, the, the passing offense I thought was pretty good today. And, um, you know, Ty Sambrillo, I, I think – we didn't. He didn't show up much in this game, which is a good thing for him. I, I think they were giving him some help, um, which you know does hurt other things in the offense. But I mean, overall, the the passing game was was pretty good. Kind of you know mid second quarter on. Yeah, it, it was as you mentioned. Certainly got off to a slow start. Um, but on the other, you know, I, I say that, but uh, really, you know, they they had that first series that was that was three and out. But it, it's hard to get a, a quick start when that's your only series in, in like the first you know quarter or so because the Steelers just controlled the ball for their first two drives and you know lengthy touchdown drives on both those and the Titans really never had an opportunity beyond that uh, that, that first series to kind of get things going. But you know I, I, I do I do think we um, we saw some good things. You know I, I my, one of my biggest concerns for the Titans going into this game especially with how well the Steelers blitz and, and uh, you know, attacked the quarterback, um, was Ryan Tannehill's health, given that Taylor Lewan, um is out for the season now. But I thought that the Titans did a pretty good job of, um, you know, helping out Ty Sombrello, um, you know, whether it was a tight end or a running back, you know, given it's kind of a chip block. Uh, or, or a straight double team, you know, maybe with a with a running back there as well. Uh, there wasn't a ton of, of backside pressure uh, on Ryan Till. You know, I, I, I think uh, the, uh, the the play 
from Houston last week still sticks in everybody's mind. Uh, you know, when J.J. Watt, the first time uh, Sambrella's in the game, just blows past him and, and crushes Tannehill, you know, uh, there were some visions of maybe that happening today. But I think they did a pretty good job uh, in that regard. And I think they concentrated also more on shorter routes, quicker release. You know, we really didn't see them go downfield except maybe, I, I'm thinking maybe once or so uh, in this game. And, and that's going to help too. And that's the kind of things they're going to have to do more often because you're probably just not going to have as much time uh, as you were before now that uh, now that Luan's out of the game. Yeah, absolutely, and especially against this defense uh, that they were facing today. Uh, they're, they're just so good, and they create pressure uh, from so many different ways. Um, and so, yeah, it was encouraging to see them be able to continue to run the offense. I mean, they, they scored 24 points. Like you said, it was – I mean, it felt like they didn't have the ball until the middle of the second quarter because that first drive for the Steelers was so long. And then, like you said, you, you turn and get a three and out there. Um, you know, Derrick Henry wasn't – I mean, he didn't have a monster game today, 20 carries for 75 yards. Um, you know, not kind of what we've we've become accustomed to with him. But, you know, they they stuck to the run game. There were a couple of times where I wish they would have gone away from it a little bit more just to, to kind of keep things to, – to try to open things up and get things going a little bit. But, you know, we've, we've watched this team long enough to know that that's how they run their offense. And, you know, I mean, I think they believe that if they continue to feed Henry, you're wearing the defense down, you're going to get a chance to, to, for him to break off one of those long runs. And when you're – you know, when you're when you get to within a score or whatever in the you know, late in the third quarter, you're going to the fourth quarter. Even if you're down ten, you can still run your offense. You still have time to do those types of things. So I don't know. I, I was a little bit frustrated a couple times. Like on the, it was like a second and seventeen, and they handed it off. That that drives me crazy when teams do that. Right. But um, you know, I, I mean, I think it's probably when you're within a couple scores and you have a bunch of time left, more times than not, I think it's going to be better for the Titans to continue to hand the ball to Henry, whether you're talking about, you know, wearing the defense down or effective play action. I mean, we've seen some statistics and stuff that say you don't necessarily have to be running well for play action to work. But I feel like it can't hurt for there to be a threat of the rushing game when you're trying to run play action. Yeah, and, and as you say, I mean, the the thing that stands out a lot of times for me with Arthur Smith is that patience with the run game. He he refuses to get away from it. And we've seen, you know, there have been instances, too, when the, when the Titans have been down, uh, you know, a couple scores where they have stayed patient. They've given the ball to Derrick Henry. They've gone down the field, uh, you know, cut into the lead and, and, and eventually won the game. So, uh, you know, he, he's got a track record of success that way. Now, when you're going up against, one of the, if not the best run defense uh, in the league, you know, maybe you have to plan things a little differently. I, I agree with you. There are, there are a couple times where you kind of le- were left sort of scratching your head and, and saying that wasn't the most inspired uh, series I've seen from the Titans. There's one I'm looking at now. Uh, Titans are down 27-14. Um, about midway through the third or so, they get the ball on their own 19, you know, a chance to cut into that lead. Uh, first and ten, Derrick Henry, no gain. Second and ten, Derrick Henry, no gain. Or excuse me, two yards, uh, and then an incomplete pass. You know, on on third and eight, uh, which is always a tougher down. Um, you know, and and they're punting the ball there again. So, uh, yeah, there, there were a few times you, you scratched your head, um, especially knowing that you were up against such a uh, um, you know a stiff run defense in in Pittsburgh. Um, but uh, you know, again, I I, I think. We couldn't expect the same kind of offensive output 
from the Titans today, uh, as we saw last week, certainly against a, a, a kind of a shaky Houston defense when, you know, the Titans ran wild and, and had over 600 yards. Um, I think they, in, in the end, I think the Titans did enough on offense to win this game. You know, I think they were good enough to win this game. If only there were maybe a couple more stops on defense or, you know, they get the uh, or they get the field goal and, and send it into overtime. Yeah, and I think the drive that you referenced is when I tweeted out that Arthur Smith was you know making his case to stay in Tennessee for another year, which again ultimately <laughs> is fine fine with me. Um, but yeah, I, I mean it, it is frustrating to watch that. But like you said, uh, you, you weren't you weren't going to see what you saw last week. I mean the the Texas defense is really really bad. The Steelers defense is really good. Um, and they did enough today, and so that was encouraging because we've seen Titans offenses in the past that have been. I mean, there were a lot of Mariota teams that were – he was good against bad defenses, but then you would show up against a really good defense and it would, they would just be terrible. And, and they weren't that today. They were still, they were still fairly efficient. Um, they were still able to, you know, go get points at, at certain points when you, when you felt like maybe they were about to be out of it. If they don't, you know, if they don't go down and score here, this game could get away from them. And it, that obviously never happened. So that's got to be an encouraging sign going forward because how many defenses are you going to face that are as good as the Steelers? Not, there's not very many in the NFL. So to, to be able to, to still put up 24 points with kind of the, the first, you know, half or at least the first half of the first half um, it, that they did, that, that's an encouraging sign for them, I think, going forward and, you know, kind of gives you in, encouragement for what they can be. And then hopefully as, you know, Sambrello settles in and maybe you don't have to help him as much and, and you can still do some of the things that you were doing with LaJuan out of the game. It was a weird game uh, from an injury standpoint for the Titans. It seemed like it was constantly guys were going down, uh, but for the most part, they all came back. I know that if you were not at the game, I mean, I was watching it on TV, but, you know, paying attention to what people were saying on Twitter, the whole Jadavion Clowney thing where he was like, you know, couldn't put weight on his leg, goes into the tent, comes out, gets on the bike, (laughs) basically falls down again from what I understand, and then, you know, he's back in the game. Um, So, I mean, I, I guess he came out of it okay um, I, I think we talked before we started, but I think uh, Christian Fulton was the only player that started the game that wasn't able to finish, um, if that's correct. And, and, you know, Jayon, I think, got hurt a couple times, but was able to come back in. So, you know, for, for, for how many guys they had laying on the field at times, I, I think you have to still be pretty – you still have to feel pretty good about how they came out of this game health-wise. Yeah, I think so. And, and yeah, it was intriguing to, to watch that the – I got to say that the whole clowny thing was uh, was fascinating to watch. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to to be in the in the press box, but sometimes, you know, we'll we'll see things that that occur while the game is on commercial. You know, the, the TV doesn't doesn't pick up, and so it was just it was uh, uh, fascinating to watch the timeline when they when they brought clowny off the field. He couldn't put any weight on that left leg. You know, people were helping him off. Uh, he went straight into the medical tent, and you figure, oh, boy, you know, we're looking at maybe a season-ender here. Um, and within – it couldn't have been a, a minute that he was in that medical tent. He pops out, heads over to the stationary bicycle, gets on that, does a few minutes on the stationary bike, stands up, looks like everything's fine. Then all of a sudden he starts pointing to his knee, and the trainers are around him, and he kind of slumps and sags all the way to the ground – uh, and the and the trainers are tending to him, and and then the next thing after that, he's up standing up again. And he's got his helmet with him, and and you know within a few series, he's he's back in the game. 
so it was it was an incredible uh, saga uh, for to, to watch for for Clowney. But the good news is, yeah, he finished out the game. Um, <laughs> the one other injury that that may be a little concerning. Dennis Kelly never left the game, um, but I think he was certainly at less than 100% by the end of it. You know, he was dealing with a knee injury last week in, in practice, uh, and it looked to me like he was limping on that on that knee fairly noticeably uh, again. So that will be something to keep an eye on um, because, of course, we know that the, the Titans are struggling at, at tackle, and unfortunately we know that uh, Isaiah Wilson is, is not yet the answer. Uh, he was at last, uh, you know, available for selection in, in today's game, but um, bypassed uh, by David Quisenberry, who was uh, elevated from the practice squad. So uh, a baby step forward for Isaiah Wilson, but, uh, boy, uh, you certainly expect your first-round tackle to be producing, uh, as you said earlier, playing a snap. Um, you know, at, at this point of the season. Yeah, you mentioned in your article that he is one of two first-round picks that has not taken a snap, the other one being Jordan Love with the Packers, who, you know, it wasn't really expected that he would take a snap, barring injury or, you know, blowout this year for the Packers. So not encouraging there um, with the issues that he's had, being being available even, you know, for a practice week has been a little bit of a problem, so we'll keep an eye on that. But, you know, going forward, like like you said, I mean, I think you have to feel pretty good about Adoree Jackson's chances against the Bengals. I mean, he was able to practice all week. Um, and you, it wasn't that big of a surprise that with as much time that he's missed, three practices wasn't enough to get him back out there. Um, you know, him coming back will obviously help. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on what's up with Fulton. But even if it's, you know, Adoree Jackson, Malcolm Butler, and then, you, you know, whoever, whether it's Jonathan Joseph or Chris Jackson as the third guy there, that's better than not having Adoree out there. So that will certainly help. Um, you know, and everybody has injuries at this time of the year. And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for the Titans because now you're looking at them playing all these games in a row without a bye. You know, having to take the bye early in the season because of the COVID deal. Um, we'll see how that plays out for them. You know, we, we had the talks of, you know, who, who may not have been available for that game, that game against the, the Steelers game when it was originally scheduled to take place. You know, Taylor LeJuan, A.J. Brown, well, now you get to here, and Taylor LeJuan's not here, but A.J. Brown's back. And, and you know, all those things, we, we know the NFL goes as far as that's concerned. But, you know, hopefully they'll be able to get everybody back. I mean, I think when we got to the end of the week this week, was was there anybody that had an injury designation coming into this game? There was not. No. Yeah, they were uh, they were they were clean, spotless for the for the first time. You know, outside of obviously, you know, Adoree Jackson, but he he's uh, you know since he's on the uh, designated to return, he doesn't have an, a, a special spot uh, right. injury designation yet. So yeah, outside of that, they were in pretty good shape. Yeah, so hopefully they can kind of continue that. Like I said, we'll keep an eye on Fulton and Kelly uh, this week as the practice reports come out. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, at the end of the day, the defense has been really, really bad, and the Titans are 5-1. and one. Um, You've right. got a, a stretch here coming up. You go to Cincinnati, but then you've got home games against the Bears and the Colts. Uh, the Colts is a Thursday night game. That's a really big one, obviously. But, you know, listen, Cincinnati and Chicago are both very much – winnable games. I mean, we know how things go in the NFL. But th- those are two games that, at least on paper, the Titans should win. Um, and then you get that, that, that Colts game sets up to be really big, um, to, you know, depending on what happens within the next couple of weeks. But, you know, with as bad as, as the defense has played and with not having a Dory at all to this point, you know, losing the one with an ACL, I mean, I, I think they'd, 
you know, I mean, obviously today they're not thrilled that they're five and one. But when you kind of step back and look at the overall picture, that you have to be pretty happy with with having a five and one record with what they now kind of have in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think if you told Titans fans that. Uh, you know, coming out of that, that uh, the awful COVID outbreak, you know, that, that kept them out of the building for so long and, and uh, you know, left so many people, so many players uh, unable to practice and, and play for so long that they would have won, you know, two of these three games that, are, that have been played in a, in a 12-day span uh, against two, of the, you know, two undefeated teams in that, in that three-game span. You know, I, I think Titans fans probably would have been pretty happy at that. Uh, taking two out of those three games and, and being 5-1, and you're still up a game uh, in first place in the AFC South. So, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, as, as Ryan Tannehill said today, it was kind of a, a gut punch to, uh, to see the, not, the Titans not kind of come through in the, in the clutch as we've seen them uh, do so often this year. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, I think things are, are, are still looking uh, pretty good for this team. Um, you know, two out of the three – are, uh, are are still at home here to uh, the next three are, are still at home and if you take you know two out of the next three games you know it, it sets you up pretty well even though you finished the season five out of seven on the road I think you're you're going to be looking pretty good uh, going into that yeah yeah you'd have to feel pretty good about that 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 place and you know the the first everybody will tell you the first thing is to win the division. They haven't done that in a long time. You know, and then you get to host a playoff game, you know, all, all those types of things. And so, I mean, I think they're still well-positioned to do that um, with, with what they have coming in front of them. So anything else we need to hit on before we get out tonight? I think we've, uh, we've covered it all. All right, sounds good. Well, that will do it for this edition of Home Run Throwback. Thanks to John so much, as always, for joining. And he will have a lot more about this game and then, you know, as things develop this week for the Bengals. So check that out at broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can follow John on Twitter at Glennon Sports. You can follow me on Twitter at MCM. Again, this is Home Run Throwback. Uh, so search that out wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the feed and you'll get this podcast in Titans in 10, which I do a few times a week, just kind of recapping the news of the day. So for John Glennon, this is Jimmy Morris saying thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you again next week. Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media.